This morning, I want to speak to you prophetically. What does that mean? Now, whenever you stand in this pulpit, there are a number of different ways that one can communicate. We can try to communicate directly as shepherds to pastor you, help you in life, marriage, family, finances, etc. Then there are times that we want to just be teachers where we exegete this word and we, we break things down in a way that the deep truths of Scripture you can really hear well. But I believe there are other times that we need to hear prophetically. What does that mean? Something that God is saying in the moment that if we can, as Pastor Donnell was exhorting us earlier, if we can truly listen and not just hear, but it may actually help us in our decision-making and the way that we walk in the coming season. And this morning, I want to speak to you prophetically. I want to speak to you prophetically. Now, let me hasten to say that the worst way to try to understand what God is doing and saying is through numbers. It's a study. It's called numerology. And it gets real goofy. So you've got to be real careful with this. So let me give you the disclaimer, tell you what not to do because I did it. All right? This is a don't do as I did kind of thing. But many times we get all excited about the turn of the calendar. How many of you know that God isn't interested in the Roman calendar? It doesn't impress him, but it impresses us because as we head into January 1st of the new year, we always, okay, I'm going to lose that weight. I'm going to clean out that closet. I'm going to whoop those children. You know, I'm going to, you know, whatever, you know, I'm going to grow, grow more hair, you know, whatever the thing is that you think you would like to accomplish. But I do believe that God speaks to us many times in seasons. And so if, if what I'm sharing with you doesn't happen between midnight of January 1st and midnight of, January, of December 31st, please don't come looking to stone me, all right? Because God is not that interested in those kinds of 365-day parameters. But as we come into this next year, I looked at the number 14. And it's one of these numbers that doesn't have a lot of biblical significance in reality. We see... Three sets of, of 14 as it speaks of the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew. But if we look at what it does mean, 14 is, does have the biblical significance of deliverance or salvation. But more importantly, and what I want to key in on this morning, is that 14 is a multiple of seven. Now, seven is an, that's an amazingly significant biblical number. Seven is a number of perfection or completion. And if you take the two times, you get a double portion of that, two times seven. And I believe that's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to emphasize for you and I in this particular moment, is that He is wanting you and I to step into a divine moment of favor where we're going to experience and we're going to witness the double completion or double anointing of completion around our lives. I see the first service, somebody got excited. First service were comatose. I don't know where those people were, all right? They're still stoned on sugar cookies or something. But So thank you for being alive. You know, I look and I, I know part of this pastorally because I talk with many of you, but I also know this 
after the Spirit, that there has been a unique sense of delay or deferment that many of you have felt. You know you've heard the promise. You know maybe there's been a prophetic word about your money, your business, your spouse, your child, something in your health, and yet you're wondering, where is it? What's going on? What am I doing wrong? How have I not positioned myself? And I believe this delay and deferment for many of you has made your heart sick. Proverbs speaks that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is what? It's a tree of life. And I believe that where there's been some things that have been held back from you, maybe it's demonic, I don't know. Maybe simply the season and timing of God that we're coming into a moment that God is not just going to do one thing. He's going to do far and away beyond what you can hope for or imagine. Now, what it means, one, again, a double grace of completion. Secondly, it means twice what you've specifically asked for or even paid for. How many of you like getting value? Come on, we're consumers, right? And so we flock to the, we flock to the mall or the outlet, you know, two for one. It's like, woo, great, half price. I like that. It's the miracle of retail. I see, he says tongue in cheek. Isaiah 61, verse 7 says this. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And they will inherit a double portion in their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. A double portion in their land. How many times do we feel like God can't do a thing here? I need to move somewhere else. I can't wait to get out of Northern Virginia. Ain't nothing here but traffic and expensive houses. Certainly God can't do anything with this nation that the pundits and the prophets have declared Ichabod over. God can't do a thing here because of all of this. But it says here that the double portion anointing in their land, in the land of your family, in the land of your workplace, in the land where you live, you don't have to move to inherit. God's going to bring you inheritance where you are. Very important that you hear that. And I believe there are two times, many times, we ask God for a specific healing. A Pastor Duke is ancient. He's got all kinds of things that, you know, kind of begin to unravel as you get older. You know what I'm saying? Kind of aches and pains and bumps and mumps and grind. You know how it is when you get. And so, you know, he's trying to get up in the morning and praying that this leg might work. But, you know, the reality is, rather than just praying over this one thing, Many of you have been asking God to heal this one thing. What if God were to bring you health, not just healing? What if there were a double portion anointing? And I shouldn't say this for Dr. Fred, who's a good friend of mine and who's a dentist. But what if you were praying about your head cold and all of a sudden your teeth got straight? What if you were praying about something in your body and the next thing you know, something you did... All of a sudden, you just feel good. Hmm, you ain't got it yet. Finances. Many times we're looking to get one thing paid for, but what if God wanted to move us from just getting that bill taken care of to wealth? 
Now hear me, and I'll, I'll give you the disclaimer further in a moment. This is not some name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, fresh, hot off Tulsa teaching. That's not what this is. If you know me well enough, you know that my tongue would snap off at the rollers if I tried to do that. So that's not where I'm going with this thing. But what if God wanted to move us to pay off from just payments? I believe that there's supernatural provision God is going to bring in this season that's got nothing to do with your paycheck. It doesn't mean God can't do it in your paycheck, but it may not be just what you produce with your hands, meaning your production schedule, whatever kind of bar that's set out there for you, God is going to deliver some supernatural resource to his people that's going to, that's going to be a double anointing of what we really expect to happen. And it's going to happen in spite of natural circumstances. The supernatural. And I believe we don't rejoice or mourn as the world. But the church is going to get increasingly out of step, out of sync, and fall further out of favor with the culture. Hear me. You weird. You strange. You peculiar. You set apart, and you're going to find yourself increasingly wondering, am I the only sane person in this conversation? Luke chapter 6, verse 22, the Bible tells us this. It says, blessed are you when men hate you. So now, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm a pleaser. I want everybody to like me. Come on. It's not what the scripture says. It says there's a blessing when they hate you. When they exclude you. Man, we ain't going to bring him. He's going to get all religious on us. He's going to try to talk about that Bible and come to his church. Man, we don't, we don't. No, don't bring him. We can't have any fun. Can't drink nearly as much. When they exclude you, when they insult you, when they reject your name as evil. I can't believe you think that way. You're intolerant. You're unloving. You're evil. Because of the Son of Man. John 15 says the same thing in a slightly different way. Jesus speaking. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. Because if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. And as it is, you don't belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. I'll talk more about this in a moment. A double portion of completion. And of course, when we begin to think about completion, we immediately think about Elisha. And the story here of, in 2 Kings, the second chapter of Elijah being taken up to heaven. And in this moment, Elijah's moving around. Elijah's been following him now for 15 years. And he says, stay here. I'm in 2 Kings, the second chapter, the second verse. Stay here. The Lord sent me to Bethel. Elisha says, uh-uh, no. As surely as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. So they go to Bethel. They get to Bethel. And it says, Elijah says, stay here, Elisha. The Lord sent me to Jericho. 
stay here. So, no, sir, I'm staying with you. Same thing happens. God's called me to go to the Jordan. Stay here. Nope, going with you. And after all of this is going on, we find 50 of the company of prophets. Now, the company of prophets were a bunch of young men who were basically being mentored by Elijah, kind of traveling around in like herds or packs. I don't know what you call them. But Elisha was different because he didn't come out of the, the pack of prophets. He was called out by Elijah. And they're watching some things happen. And Elijah finally says to him at the Jordan, after, by the way, they cross over, Elijah gets there and touches the Jordan with his cloak and it parts and they walk across. You know, it's a pretty cool trick. He says, what can I do for you? He says, let me inherit a double portion of your anointing. Now, now Elijah's the man. Can we just, this is Elijah of Mount Carmel fame. Have, you know, fire from heaven. You know, I mean, changing the weather, 1 Kings 17. I mean, this is, he's the guy. And Elisha's, I mean, he's been with him for a moment. He realizes this. I mean, the Mount of Transfiguration, I mean, only two guys show up there, Moses and Elijah. And here is Elisha saying, I want twice what you have. Man, I get around certain people, it's just like, man, I just take 10%. I just take 1% of what you got. He presses in and say, I'd like to have the same or I'd like to have a portion. He says, I want twice. Elijah said, you've asked a difficult thing. But if you see me, something about this, when I'm taken up, your request will be granted. And in that moment, the horses and chariots of Israel come. Elijah goes up to heaven the same way we all want to go, not have to mess with hospitals and hospice and wills and all of that. He said, be gone. But Elisha sees him. But the 50 prophets standing at a distance, they didn't see what Elisha saw. And Elijah goes up, his cloak falls, and Elisha picks it up. He says he touches the Jordan. Jordan parts, he walks across. And the 50 prophets are like, ah, uh, I think he's the dude now. I, 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 I think he got the stuff. Now, I want to give you this morning, and we, and we find that double portion of anointing so literal. that The recorded miracles of Elijah we find in Scripture number 14, there are 28 recorded miracles of Elisha. That's how literal the double portion was. Number 28, by the way, of Elisha, he was dead. Real dead. Nothing left but his bones. They threw a corpse on his bones and the corpse comes back to life. Now, how many of you know that if you can still raise the dead when you are dead? Can you say strong? That's strong. And so... I want to give us this morning five quick things that like all prophecy and all biblical promises, there are conditions if we're going to partake in those promises. Now we can hear and we can get all excited about, woo, completion, yeah, money coming to me, going to the bank. We can get all excited about that. But you've heard a lot of messages like this during your Christian walk. 
But what you don't hear many times is what can I do to participate to unlock that promise for me? I'm going to give you five things. First of all, we've got to stay with Jesus. This sounds simple. But Elijah, Elisha never left Elijah. The 50 prophets stood at a distance. It's not unlike the story in Exodus 33. Moses goes into the tent of meeting. The cloud comes down. And it says all of Israel stood at the entrance of their tents and they watched. Moses went in to a place of intimacy with God. Face to face, mouth to mouth, breath to breath as a man speaks with his friend. Years ago, I, I spoke a message called Peekers or Seekers. And many of us are still peeking. We're watching. Pastor Brett, we're watching. Pastor Donnell, and we're peeking at it from a distance. But we've never stepped in. We've never sought for ourselves. Proverbs, the 8th chapter, verse 17. Listen to this. I love those who love me. And those who seek me, find me. Keep reading. With me, say with me. Unlock something for you. Our riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Do you realize that when you detach wealth and prosperity from the with me, it breaks down? It doesn't work anymore. And this is why there have been so many shipwrecked Christians who have sent their pledge, they've sown their seed, and they've wondered, where's my money? Show me the money. Sort of a sanctified Jerry Maguire, show me the money. <laughs> and people wonder, where is it? This principle is correct. God established the principle with me. Are you with me? Because God knows, show me the money. Without him, we're going to become bigger jerks than we already are. With me. And we have to seek, find, and move when he moves, not the other way around. We move, we, God, come get me. It's like a child playing tag. Find me. God say, no, no, no. I move, you move. We stay with Jesus. Number two, we see what he's doing and where he's going. What was the qualifier for Elisha? If you wake up, see me. That was the only qualification in that moment for receiving a double portion of what the man had. If you see me. 2 Kings 6, a little bit later, they've come after Elisha. One of the kings is a little upset because Elisha, with this revelatory gift, kept moving troops around. And so finally they come after him. They got him surrounded. And Gehazi, Elisha's servant, gets up one morning. Ah! All these troops. And Elisha says, no need to be worried. Because greater are those that are with us. And, you know, and, he said, and then what did Elisha pray for his servant? God, open his eyes. Let him see something he's not yet seen. And when God, when Elisha opened Gehazi's eyes, Gehazi could see, oh, we have the nukes. They have slingshots. We're covered here. But it took something revelationally 
for Gehazi to see something. We've got to have God open our eyes to see correctly, to hear correctly. Saints, let me just tell you, I used to think that I was just old and cranky and cynical, and all that's true, (laughs) though not nearly as old as Pastor Duke. But you realize that almost, almost everything that comes to you today has some tinge of deception in it. Hear me. I mean, the advertising people promised if I'd buy it, my hair would grow back in. I would look and feel younger. I would feel better about life if I bought this, if I bought this new springtime deodorant. I mean, it's what Madison Avenue promised me. If I bought a new Mustang, I'd be 20 years younger. Pastor Duke drives a red car. They ain't helping him. We read the news and depending on kind of, you know, where people are leaning as they present the same set of facts. And it's just like, where is the truth? We need to begin to question everything we see and hear through the light of Scripture and through the discernment of the Holy Ghost. We don't take it at face value. I read it on the Internet. Great. John 14, 17 talks about the spirit of truth. It's one of the names of the Holy Spirit, the third person of God, the spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither what? Sees him. Look at this again. It doesn't see him nor know him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. We've got to see. Third We've got to stoop down, and we've got to pick up what is ours. What did Elisha do? He reached down. He says he stooped down, and he picked the mantle up because it was in that mantle, that garment that represented Elijah's authority and his anointing. He struck that water. Where now is the Lord God? See, for many of us, the issue is not that the devil has stolen something from us. We never possessed it to begin with for it to get stolen. So we're binding and loosening and smacking. Jesus, in the, I rebuke the devil. He's, a, he's, he's come to John 10, 10 to steal, to kill him. You never owned it to begin with. Uh-oh. Paul told Timothy, guard the good deposit. With the help of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, something that I truly own that God has given me, God himself will keep guard over. But the issue for you and I many times, we've never picked up that authority, that anointing for ourselves even the first time. Oh, I've heard about life in the Spirit. I ain't got a Saturday to give to that. All that talking in tongues and prophesying. Let, Dad, let Pastor Donnell take care of that. And Pastor Jim, Lord, now he's weird enough. Let him do it. And we wonder. And yet, Acts 1-4, Jesus said, wait, wait. Don't leave Jerusalem. 
But wait for the gift. My father promised for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Oh, we believe in the Holy Spirit here. You don't do life without the indwelling third person of the Holy Ghost being very evident in your life. But you've got to stoop down. And I'll preach a series of messages on this one day. But the idea of stooping down to pick something up, all the implications in getting low in order to get high. Oh, mm, can't go there. Number four, you've got to step into the anointing and authority we have. When Elisha struck that water, what happened? The water said, got to go. I got to move. He walked across on Elijah's anointing. He walked back over on his own. And we say, ooh, Pastor Brett, he'll study that Bible for me. He's smart man. Pastor Brett, smart brother. Oh, I'll just wait for Jim LaFoon or Pastor Donnell or Christopher Clark or somebody else. They'll give me a prophetic word. They'll hear from God for my life. Hmm. Let me just tell you something. It's not enough to draft in someone else's if we're going to realize this double completion. Let me just tell you, as much as I want you to have it, I can't obtain it for you. I can't do it. I can, I can proclaim it. You can say yes. But you've got to move through these steps where you say, I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to walk in it. And lastly, separation and distinction. It says that when he saw Elijah go up, Elisha tore his garment. Now, understanding that when you tore or rended a garment, it was a sign of grief and mourning. But there was another reason, I believe, that Elisha tore that garment. He realized, I ain't going to need this anymore because I'm getting ready to get another one. Mm. I'm, getting ready to, I'm getting ready to take on a new anointing here. And whereas Elijah was distinctive, Beyond all the prophets, all of a sudden now, guess what? Elisha had that distinction. Don't you know those 50 guys were like, uh, mm, ooh. brother just walked over the water there. He's coming our way. I think we better call him sir now. Because obviously the spirit of Elijah now what? It rests on Elisha. See, you and I are supposed to be just that peculiar. Just that different. That somebody knows if there's a, they've got a headache in the office place, they know. There's a guy in cubicle 17. He's strange. <laughs> he weird as they come, but let me just tell you, he got something going on down there. Go down there and have him pray for you. Headache will go away. Yeah, I know. I know, but it works. You get a reputation for being a little strange. Man, I was talking to so-and-so at lunch, and they told me all this stuff, and I didn't tell them, but where did they get that from? Weird. But that's the kind of distinction that God's people are supposed to have. Set apart. And I believe in this moment that the distinction between the true church and the world is going to continue to broaden. And the lines between the quote-unquote church and the world will continue to blur. The school of the prophets and Elisha, there was a big difference in those 50 and that one. Those that attend church and those who are the church. Two different group of folk. 
And part of the distinction will be separation from the world and distinction from it. Jesus' intercession in John 17, they are not of the world even as I'm not, but sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Jesus said, I am what? The way, the truth, and the life. There is no other truth that will change you, sanctify you, turn you into something beyond what you are other than the truth that is rooted in Jesus Christ. It's the only one. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Do you realize you can't even know what is in your spiritual bank account without revelation from the Holy Ghost? You can't understand grace. You can't truly understand the depths of this salvation without this Spirit who is from God. Jesus said greater things than these, did he not? And saints, I'm here to tell you, I believe that, that we're coming up around us culturally in our world, economically. I'm not an optimist. I'm not. I think God is setting up a, black, a backdrop that, quite frankly, is going to be pretty bleak. But why is that? Because the points of light that of the church are going to shine even brighter in that darkness. And while everybody else, while the world had been chasing all these philosophies and these ideals about life, all of a sudden when they begin to crumble and they don't work because they're not built on the pillar of truth, and all of a sudden when you've built your life on something different, and all of a sudden your marriage survives, healing in your body, there's a double portion anointing of completion going on for you. Someone's going to say, uh, can we talk? And evangelism will happen almost accidentally. And I want to pray for us this morning. Yes, that we would hear God's intent for us. But more importantly than that, that those five S's that I gave you, Seeking and seeing, stooping down, separation. Because these are all keys to unlocking almost every promise of God. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, help us today. Lord, let us not just be hearers, but let us truly listen. Listen with the ears of the Spirit. Lord, every one of us have areas that have been delayed and deferred. Family members, prodigals, marriages, things in our bodies. We wonder what, what, what. God, I pray in this next season for the double portion anointing of completion. The yay, the yes, and the amen of stepping into that divine moment of your favor.